You're listening to Young and Restless. I'm your host, Larissa Black. Um, good evening. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Young and Restless. This episode will be very quick. It's called Jesus and Therapy. And I just want to update you guys on where I am right now in life and why I believe that not only Jesus is important, but therapy is also important in order to navigate getting from level one to level two or level two to level three, just getting from here and there. So here's my story. In November, I met someone that, well, I physically met someone that I have been friends with on social media for a long time. When I saw this individual, I saw the person at my job, and I remembered that we were friends on social media. So when I saw them, I said, um, you know, what's your name? I think we're friends on Facebook. We actually were friends on Facebook. And then that night, we um, kind of got each other's numbers to confirm our friendship, if you will. And so that night, I left work, and I went to my best friend's house for uh, like a birthday gathering. And before I went, the person was trying to get me to come chill with them. And I was like, nah, I'm already going somewhere with a friend, blah, 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 blah. After that, when I got home, it was around 1 or 2 o'clock. And all of this is going to make sense. I'm just giving you a detailed background to where we are now. Around 1 or 2 o'clock, I got home. And I don't know if this means anything, but it was like significantly cold in my house. And so though it was very cold, uh, he and I were still texting at this time. And so via the conversation, time is progressing. So now it's like 2.30, 3 o'clock. My brother calls me and he tells me that my cousin just died. And so the cousin that just passed away was actually a cousin that used to molest me as a child. So I never told my brothers really and um, or like, you know, so while this was happening, you know, like a memory of trauma just like resurfaced. And I'm like, oh, and so I'm not speaking for everybody, but for some of us who have been like raped and molested, and I'm not speaking for everybody, um, you know, when you are raped or molested, obviously it feels like your power is taken away. You don't have any control. The person is basically just doing what they want against your will. And so for me in that situation, when I found out that he died, my first thought was to get my power back. And so although I had just, met this person in person for the first time. I was texting him. He was already trying to get me to come over. And so at this point, I just felt like what better time, what better opportunity than now. So I asked him where he was. I met him and then we ended up going to his place. And so please excuse, you know, it being graphic. I'm really just sharing a story. And so I went to his home. And we watched the movie. Things progressed, obviously. And so um, there were there were red flags other than the fact that I just met him. So that was my bad. But just during our interaction, there were red flags. So basically, like, um, I remember we were asleep and I had I tried to get up to go to the bathroom. And this individual, like, pulled me back down. Like, where are you going? I'm like, uh, kind of got to use it. 
And so it was almost like I was asking for permission to use the bathroom, for lack of better words. Um, also, there was a video involved, and um, I did not give this individual permission to do that. And so after we were done, um, you know, I just brought it to his attention, like, I realized that you were recording me. That's not cool. Can you delete it? Blah, blah, blah. So he didn't really delete it, point blank, period. So as time progresses, oh, so then the morning comes and it's time for me to leave. And I just remember him saying, you know, I bet you I could pick you up. And I told him that I was a trainer. So he's like, I bet you I could pick you up. And I'm like, oh, I don't really like to be off the floor because if you drop me, then I'm have attitude, blah, blah, blah. And he just insisted. So we're tussling. He picks me up. And um, he put me back down. I'm like, oh, good job. You picked me up. whoop de Whatever. And so as I was trying to leave, he was just very insistent that I stay. Very persistent. But I was even more persistent. I'm like, eh, no, I came here. I got what I came here for. You know, it's time to go. I had brought my clothes. You know, it was time to leave. And so I left. And so that was in November. In November. And so... For like the next month or two, this individual came to my job every day. And so, um, you know, there are in in malls, you there like that there's a downstairs, but when you're upstairs, you can look over the rail to see the downstairs. And it would be sometimes where I'm working and I'm like being busy, but I could just feel heat or I just feel a presence and I look up and he's looking at me, smiling. Or, you know, he'll take a picture of me or a video of me and send it to me like LOL. And at first, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was cute because I'm like, oh, you know, we talking and he coming to visit me every day. And I wasn't really exactly satisfied with the job. So him coming was kind of fun. But after a while, it just got, you know, too, too much. And one thing I noticed, we never really text or spoke um, in person other than when I saw him and we only kind of communicated on social media. And I thought that that was odd too. So one day I addressed him about it, but he didn't believe, you know, respond. And so after that, just fast forwarding, it became physical. Um, he would come to my job. He would grab me up, yoke me up, um, nudge me, you know, whatever that thing, like when you, pushing somebody in the head, pushing, like, because I'm trying to explain it to my podcast. Like, you know, when you put your hand on somebody's head and then you jerk them or, like, push them, I've been yoked up a few, few times, grabbed up, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so after a while, I just, you know, told him, I don't want to be bothered. Like, leave me alone, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't having it. And so I remember one time this girl walked up and – Basically, by the end of the conversation, um, he was trying to get me to do a service for her at my job, but we were closed. So I'm like, baby, don't listen to him. I'm closed. It's over. And when she walked away, he was just like, why you ain't um just do it for her? I was trying to get her to have a threesome with us. And I'm like, what? What? Uh-uh. And so... Um, I, I said to him, you know what the crazy part is? You really think that I'm having sex with you again? And he responded like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. And so coming along to the end of this story of this particular person and why therapy 
was needed. It got to a point where he was yoking me up in front of customers and in front of my coworkers. And I'm like, nah, this is too much. So I ended up getting a police report against him. And basically the police officer suggested that he already had a police report and that he was not even supposed to be coming to my place of work based on someone else. And so I'm like, all right, cool. So now at this point, I'm scared. I'm frantic. You know, I am paranoid at work. I'm always looking around, like always looking up, seeing somebody watching me. Like, it's just not good. And literally, I will go to work and just get migraine headaches. Like, I'll be good all the way up until the point I step inside the kiosk. And then from the time I clock in to the time I clock out, just headache. Like, my eyes hurt, headache, headache, headache. So one of my coworkers, he's getting his doctorate, doctoral or doctorate degree in biology or something. And he was telling me that, you know, it could be trauma. Like, that's something that could really be happening. Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, after I do the police report, I asked him to leave me alone. And he was the type, whenever we got into like an argument or disagreement, he'll stay away for a couple of days. And because um, I only work three days a week. So he will stay away for a few days, which seemed like a long time because of my schedule. But then he'll be right back the following week, acting like everything was regular. And like, if you know me, you know, like at first I'd be like, all right, cool. But then I'm like, nah, leave me alone. So I went to get a temporary order of protection against him or a temporary protection order. It's called a TPO. And when I, and mind you, you have to know the person's address. So I had to look him up and I ended up learning that he had charges against him years ago um, for the same situation. But I won't go into depth about that, but for the same situation and even worse. So at this point, I'm really, really scared because I'm like, well, what if he tries to do to me what he did to those other women? And then what am I going to do to him for trying to do to me what he did to those other women? So there's just fear everywhere. So I end up doing the TPO. And the biggest thing, I just wanted him to leave me alone point blank period i just wanted to be left alone like you know you could ghost me like i know we get hurt when we get ghosted but this was a time that i was okay with being ghosted and so it didn't happen so i do the tpr find his address i do everything i'm supposed to do and then the day he got served he called me from an unknown number and he's just like why how could you do this to me you know um, you already know I'm in trouble or, you know, I've been in instances like this before and they told me if I get in trouble again, I'm going to get 20 years. And mind you, he never told me anything. I, and he don't even know what I know about him. Or he doesn't know that I know anything about him because, you know, he don't know that I did research. You know what I'm saying? We never had a conversation because if we did, obviously I would have never spoken to him. And so... I did feel bad, but I put the phone on speaker so my best friend could hear. And she's the type, like, I'm I'm pretty much more remorseful, so I feel bad. Like, oh, okay, I won't. Okay, just leave me alone. My best friend was like, nope, hang up the phone and save the message because he's not supposed to be calling you. 
He literally just got served. And basically what that means is from this point on, there should be no contact. He's violating it already. So I'm like, okay. So then like a month later or a couple of weeks, I can't, maybe two weeks, we have to go to court. So we go to court and like my female friends did come with me, but I really wanted men to come. Mind you, nobody did come, but that's neither here or there. And so there's just this anxiety that you get when you face or when you're facing your predator, if that will, when you're face to face with somebody that, you know, for lack of better words, has been stalking you and like abusing you and you haven't seen them. And then now you see them. It's like you afraid of how mad they are of you or you're afraid of the possibility of what they can do to you. But then we was in court. So I'm like, all right, he not that dumb. So, but maybe he is, who knows? So we get there and even leading up to this, um, and this is where the counseling comes in. Um, basically we get there, we see a mediator opposed to the judge and we come up with an agreement. So that's the end of that story. So that happened, that took place from November to like March. And so I just remember during that process being in a very dark place because whenever I would tell my friends or just my brothers or anybody, even the security at my job that I'm being stalked, everybody's response was, oh, you must have put it on him or, oh, what did you do to him or, oh, you must be pretty as if, you know, one is my fault that I'm being stalked. Two, that it's okay that I'm being stalked. And three, that it's glorified to be stalked. Most people equate stalking, and there's this show on Netflix, I can't remember the name, but most people equate stalking with attention. People want attention. So, you know, if you're being stalked, people are like, oh, like, you're getting attention. And it's like, but I ain't, I ain't want this one. And it's out of control, hero. Like, it's out of control. And so... Yeah. So that was that. And so anyway, when I first made the police report, and I'm kind of jumping around in the story to make a point. When I first made the police report, um, I was called by an organization that offers counseling. Like I was telling y'all, it took, I still didn't see a counselor yet, basically. And that was all the way in, in February when I made the police report. And it was March when we went to court. And so... When I was in undergrad, I saw a counselor or a therapist, and then I wanted to go back, but like it was like senior year, and I moved off campus, and like da da da. And then they even offered counseling at Kennesaw, but I live on the south side. Kennesaw is way, way, way north, so I really wasn't trying to make no extra trips to Kennesaw than me going to class. And so I spoke to my counselor today, and you know. A lot of people's responses in addition to, well, you must have put it on him or whatever the case may be, was, all right, we'll just pray or, you know, send it to the Lord or pray for him. And I'm not going to lie, like, even during the process and when we went to court, you know, I prayed for him and I prayed that God will cleanse him and, like, heal his heart and, you know, whatever he, because as I said before on a podcast when I was talking about R. Kelly, um, Victim or, you know, victimizers, if that's a word, were once victims. Like, people who hurt people were once hurt. So, I definitely did send him up. Like, God, 
protect him, help him, you know, change his mind, teach him, love him, blah, blah, blah. So that definitely was something because I really had to release him. But also, I was still traumatized from that. Ooh, y'all see my stomach? Sorry. I don't want that. But yeah, I was still traumatized from that. And what about my safety? What about my cleansing? What about my me being better? And so I try to make everything that I talk about connect. Because remember, I was telling you all that when I get go into my doctoral program, I want my... Um, and that's why you have to listen to the episodes because they kind of are a continuation. But when I get my PhD, I want to do my dissertation on how women sacrifice their sanity to uphold that of men. And so I just feel like during the whole process, I'm going crazy or I'm crying or I'm feeling type of way or I feel paranoid or I have to take different routes home or I have to do this and this and this. And I'm not saying nothing, but he's living his best life. Calling me when he want to call me, coming, coming, not coming over, but coming to my job when he wants to do whatever he wants. And I am suffering silently. And it just got to a point. I remember um, one of the girls in my church, because I told her about the situation. We worked for with each other for a little while. And she was saying, you know, La, I've seen you to be a defender, because as a prophet, that is my nature. Um, I've seen you to be a defender. But this time, it's time for you to defend yourself. And like when she said that, it really spoke value because I really go hard for the people that I love, the people that surround me. When I see injustice, I'm like, uh-uh, cut it out. I'm always speaking up. But then I realize when it comes to me, I'm always still trying to protect the other person, even though that they're the wrong, the wrong. And so today in my counseling session, which is what this episode is about, you know, I just really, she asked me why did I want a counselor? And I told her, like, you know, there are still some things that I'm dealing with that are not, you know, healed and not because I'm holding on to it, but I don't really know how to release it. And so I kind of described the story of him to her, but not really as I went into depth with y'all. I just told her, you know, basic. And I do believe counseling is very important. Counseling, obviously, is very therapeutic. And sometimes... You know, one of the things that she told me today, and I say this to people all the time, I actually just have a, had a conversation with somebody about this the other day. I am very self-aware. I, like, meditate on myself all the time or, like, I think about my actions or, you know. Um, and I oftentimes people, and especially in high school, people used to always say, you think you always right or you think you know everything. And I'm like, no, that's really not the case. I just feel like I am a logical person and I think about all the outcomes of something before I make a decision. So when I speak up or when I say something, it was thought out and it's thorough and it's not just a random tidbit. And so... Me being self-aware, I'm, I'm very cognizant or cognitive of my actions, of my thoughts, of the way I move. You know, I do everything on purpose. I'm just, I'm not a random person. As a matter of fact, I'm so not random that I was dating this guy who, long story short, he didn't know what he wanted to do. And I'm the type of person, like, if you, even in real life, not uh, aside from dating, like, if you be like, well, I get dressed, we going out. But I don't know where we're going. That doesn't work for me. And I don't think that's, I don't think that that is controlling. I think that I'm just caring more so about the safety of myself. You know, I don't like surprises. 
And that could be trauma as well, but I don't like it. And that's okay. And maybe as I go through my sessions more, she'll teach me other effective ways to get over that fear. of. And it could be a, a, a issue of, of trust. Okay. So anyway. Um, so yeah, she's a Christian counselor or a Christian therapist, if you will, because I don't know if counselor is the correct word. But today when I spoke to her, our session went a little over an hour and I just felt freedom. And I feel like, you know, it's very important, especially for anybody. I don't want to just say for Christians, but if you can, excuse me, have access to therapy, if you do have access to therapy, do your thing, chicken wing. Like, see a therapist because they're there to help you funnel through your thoughts. Why you act a certain type of way? Why do you do certain type of things? Or, you know, what are some things that happen or that's buried deep down in your uh, psyche that's making you do things? And so the moral of the story is, as I come to an end, I love Jesus. I love therapy. And I'm going to stick with it for as long as I can because I literally want to be the best me naturally. Well, I want to be the best me spiritually, like manifesting into the person that God has created me to be. But I also want to be the best person naturally. And I do believe that these counseling sessions will help me to get there. And so I'm really happy that I have a therapist now because, you know, that situation, along with others, but that was the most recent one, it really kind of scarred me a little bit. And I'm the type of person, I try not to go in new situations carrying the baggage of the old, or I try not to equate a new person to an old person, because that's just too much. And, you know, just as God gives us grace every day, I believe that as you meet new people, there are new graces that should be extended to those people. And so, Jesus in therapy, that's important. It is what it is. And I thank you guys for tuning in on such short notice. And so I'm just going to do a short prayer and then we out of here. And so, God, I just thank you for this opportunity and the courage that you have given me to speak up. I thank you for the protection and the safety of myself, as well as, you know, the person who I was speaking about. I ask that you would just cover us and even those who are or have experienced the same thing. And I ask that you will allow me to be a beacon and a mouthpiece for those who have been or are being victimized. I ask that you will allow me to be a blueprint of how to get out of certain situations. I ask that you will allow me to be a liaison from one level to the next. And I just thank you for this platform. I thank you for those who have tuned in, who have listened, who have heard my heart and who are just experiencing life, life with me. And so father, as I pray right now, I ask that none of my, none of my words have been misconstrued construed. I thank you for the grace and for the mercy and for the favor that you have placed on my life. And I just really thank you that you have allowed me to be a living testimony, even though that even though we may experience things that we think were un uncalled for or we experience things that we didn't even foresee coming. I just thank you for the grace to get us out. I thank you for the grace of healing, the grace of deliverance and just the grace to do something new, the grace to start over, the grace to break generational curses. And I do believe that this will touch 
people's lives. This will touch people's heart. And I ask that you will continue to give me content and material to bless the life of your people. And so, God, as I pray, I ask that you would just um, descend as we ascend so that we can meet you, oh God, that we will have face-to-face encounters and that these things that happen to us will only draw us closer to you. For your word says that as we draw not unto you, you shall draw not unto us. And so God, we thank you for never leaving us, never forsaking us. We thank you for even leaving the 99 to come and catch, capture us as the one. And so God, I just honor you. I bless you. And again, I thank you for the courage and the capacity to speak up. I thank you that every day, every podcast, every situation that you are drawing me closer to my purpose and you are showing me who you have called me to be and what reason you have put me on this earth for. I thank you that you have made me a generational curse breaker. I thank you that you have given me the power to pull people up and out of things. I thank you that you have given me the grace to talk about relationships and singleness and the struggles that people face in that time. I thank you that you are teaching me. I thank you that you are making me a teacher. And I thank you for the ministry that you have placed inside of me as you are birthing me out. In your name I pray. Amen. So guys, thank you for tuning in to this impromptu episode. Um, I may do another one this week, but my work schedule is super crazy. So if anything, I might change episode days from Fridays to Mondays because I am off on Mondays. So thank you for tuning in and I will talk to you later.